0: Over the years, End Time Ministries and the End of the Age program has received so many great questions pertaining not only to prophecy, but many topics in Scripture. I will answer many of those inquiries on this edition of End of the Age. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries in the End of the Age program. And i want to welcome you to this segment of End of the Age. And over the years, like I've said, we've got so many questions. And a lot of our questions now, there's so much going on in the news right now. We've received a ton just here recently. And I wanted to answer many of them today because somebody can ask a question that you really, you thought, man, I never even thought to ask that. And it's really an educational process for us to answer these questions on the air. So I'm just going to dive right off in this and we'll get to as many of these questions as we can during this segment. And I'll probably do it this segment and the next segment as well. So the first question that we'll go to says, what conflict do you guys think will start World War III? Now, at this point... It's, it's purely speculation. I can give you a scriptural answer, which I will do. We'll go to Revelation 9 here in just a moment. But what I wanted to do is to go to the worst conflicts that are really happening, either the conflicts that are happening now or that will happen in the world. So by far, the three worst, either they're occurring or potential conflicts, is the Russia-Ukraine situation situation, China, Taiwan, possible scenario, and a possible scenario of Israel and Iran. Now, China says that she's going to take back Taiwan. If You you guys are following this right along with me in the news. Preferably by diplomacy, but if not by diplomacy, she's willing to take Taiwan back by force. So, just a little bit of history... If you remember back when Chiang Kai-shek left the mainland of China back in 1949, and that was when the communists took over China. Chiang Kai-shek fled to what was called Formosa, which is now Taiwan, and he took all of China's gold reserves with him. Now, Taiwan is, still has that gold, or much of it. Taiwan has the 11th largest gold reserves in the whole world. And China wants it back. She claims that it is rightfully belongs to her and so, and many other things, so they, they want Taiwan back. China says, we're going to take Taiwan back by force if we have to. Military, they're going to invade. And you've seen what's going on in the news recently over the last several months where these um, Chinese military... Uh, fighter jets have been coming over Taiwan's airspace and Taiwan has to get their jets up in the air to drive them back. That's been happening over and over. And more and more planes are coming. And a lot of people believe that they're just prepping them for, hey, there's going to be a time when we really invade and maybe we'll catch you guys asleep at the wheel. Well, if the United States of America gets tied down potentially to a Middle East confrontation, that could be China's sign to go ahead and make a move and that may bring China into a wartime scenario along with an Israel-Iran situation. Who knows what the United States is going to get involved in. But I wanted to talk about these scenarios because the Bible says there will be a World War III in the near future. I do not know which conflict will set it off. We'll talk about the scriptural um, context of it here in just a moment. China, Taiwan. American thinker said this. There's a debate about whether the, the, to end the U.S. policy of strategic ambiguity toward the island of Taiwan and replace it with strategic clarity. In other words, we don't know what we'll do and replace that with, here's what we're going to do. Big difference. President Biden, in recent remarks, you've probably heard them, has stated that the United States will militarily defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese attack or invasion. So there went ambiguity out the window, right? Well, the administration officials have been doing their best to walk that back. The president's comments stating that the U.S. policy has not changed from strategic ambiguity, even though President Biden said that he was asked, will you go in? And he said, yes, I absolutely will. We are bound to do that. Well, they've tried to walk that back. Furthermore, China is an ally of Iran and is getting massive oil supplies from Iran. So you can see the whole thing is building and how it could all develop into a Middle East China Taiwan possible Russia Ukraine a big triangle here Now according to oilprice.com accordingly to according to senior sources closely connected to Iran's petroleum ministry who originally outlined a secret the secret element of a 25-year deal with China and Iran not only is the secret element of that deal going to going ahead, but China has also added a new military element. With enormous global security implications, this is going to involve complete aerial and naval military cooperation between Iran and China, with Russia also taking a key role. This 25-year pact between Iran and China. Chinese and Russian military vessels will be available to use newly created dual-use facilities at Iran's key ports, all involved in this 25-year pact. So, if you look at it from that standpoint, let's move to the Israeli-Iran possible confrontation. The International Atomic Energy Agency has recently said that as of earlier this month, Iran has accumulated a stockpile of enriched uranium more than 18 times the limit set out in the nuclear deal, the, the uh, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, signed back in 2005. Oh, I'm sorry, that would have been, uh, what, 2015. Well, so now Israel's sitting there looking at this and saying, okay, they're getting to the place where it's not going to be very long. They're going to be able to have a nuclear weapon. We cannot allow that to happen So, what's going on? Well, Jerusalem Post has been, and many of the Israeli sources, have reported that hundreds of Israeli Air Force planes, including fighter jets and refueling aircraft, took off overnight Wednesday from various bases to simulate striking targets from Israel's borders, including in Iran. That's what they've needed the refueling planes for, for many years. Well, now it looks like they are going to have access to them. So it's something that we need to be looking at in these potential conflicts coming in the near future and where a potential World War III would start. Satan
1: and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime. That's 800-363-8463.
2: Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
0: So I'm going to get back into this World War III scenarios and try to... Well, we'll, we'll, we're speculating, but we're trying to look at different conflicts going on around the world or potential conflicts that could lead us into a World War III scenario Before we do that, I've got a very important announcement. This coming Saturday evening and Sunday morning, I'm going to be, my my wife and I, will be in Kingsport, Tennessee for a prophecy conference, June 4th, 6 to 8 p.m. Saturday evening. I'll be teaching the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom. This is Pastor Jeremy Damesworth Church, Christian Life Center, 2401 North John B. Dennis Highway in Kingsport, Tennessee, Sunday morning, June 5th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's Pentecost Sunday, and I'll be teaching on, I'll be doing just a little bit of prophecy, and then I'll be preaching on the everlasting gospel and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we're celebrating the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. I'll be teaching on the everlasting gospel all the way through the Bible and uh, all the way back, it, it was actually, the gospel was actually mentioned all the way back with Adam and Eve and the serpent. And so I'll be going through all of that. And if you if you would like to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, you can come be a part of that service on Sunday morning. Many of you have never heard me preach before. I've always did prophecy conferences and been involved in that. But I'll be preaching on Sunday morning. So I know we've already had a lot of interest. A lot of people are going to be, have called and said, Hey, I'm going to be there, partners of ours and different things. So, I uh, look forward to seeing you this weekend. All of the information is on our website under the events and the conferences tab. And then just go to Kingsport, Tennessee, and you'll see everything there maps, phone numbers, everything you need to get to the conference. So, wow, am I looking forward to that? We had a great conference last year. We had over, th- oh, last year in the meeting, we had over 300 first time visitors. To the church. Was, the church was just packed out, and wow, we had a great time. So, looking forward to being with you guys back in Kingsport, Tennessee this weekend. Now, the Israel Iran situation, the, the, the exercise that the Israeli military has been partaking of, is part of the IDF's months long uh, chariots of fire drill that has seen fighter jets, transport planes and refueling aircraft take off from several bases in Israel for Cyprus. And Israel has significantly increased its readiness level and has taken steps throughout the past year to prepare for a credible military option against Iran's nuclear facilities. Now, in my opinion, and you'll see why here in just a moment, if I had to make an educated guess, I would say this or something in that region would be the thing that sets off World War III. I know Russia's talking about it, but from a scriptural standpoint, I'll tell you why I believe this could be the scenario, if not something in that region, in just a moment. And then, of course, there's the Russia-Ukraine conflict that's going on. Russia is threatening World War III. If NATO supplies weapons to Ukraine... And it's even threatened to bomb the U.S. if they ship weapons as well and to try to help uh, Ukraine. So, three huge scenarios. One's playing out right now. Two could be potential conflicts in just days, if not weeks. And so it's something that we're watching. But the question, original question was, where do you guys see World War III starting Revelation 9, verse 13 through 16, prophesies World War Three. The Bible says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. It's very specific on the uh, dot on the map right there. The Euphrates River region. Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Iran. Four nations house the Euphrates River. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour a day, a month and a year. And when they're loosed, their assignment, the Bible says, will be to slay the third part of mankind. The Bible says they will come out of the Euphrates River region. And then verse 16 says, And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000, and I heard the number of them. So from a prophetic perspective, It would be my opinion that the war would emanate from the Euphrates River region, but it will draw in some of the major players around the world. The United States would most certainly be involved in that war. Three entities that could field an army of 200 million soldiers, certainly China. China has the 25-year pact with Israel, militarily, economically. And then India could field an army of 200 million and the Islamic faction on the planet. So most of these major players will come into this war and when the smoke clears, one third of the world's population would be destroyed. From the prophecies of the Bible, it is my opinion that the it will start in the Euphrates River region somewhere, and the by far the biggest thing going on there is the Israeli Iran situation with Iran's nuclear aspirations and the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. Next question, didn't the Abraham Accords start the final seven years? Okay, the final seven years to, to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon prophesied about in Daniel 9, 24 through 27 is the entire prophecy. The final seven weeks of Daniel's seventieth 70 weeks is a seven-year period. Daniel 9, 27 says he, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for a seven-year period. Many people, and I mean a lot of people, have speculated that the Abraham Accords that was signed in September of 2020 did, in fact, start the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Battle of Armageddon. That simply is not the case. How do I know that? Because the peace agreement, there are five characteristics to the peace agreement in Daniel 9.27. There will be a two-state solution created between Israel's and Palestinians. The Jews, presently living in the West Bank, will be allowed to live out there as a Jewish minority under Palestinian rule. The Temple Mount will be placed under a sharing arrangement. Israel will be allowed to build her third temple. And number five, Israel will retain control of Jerusalem all the way throughout the end time. Not one of those five characteristics has been discussed as a result of the Abraham Accords. Abraham Accords has not dealt with the Palestinian issue at all. Let me show you an example. The Jerusalem Post. This is from I may, maybe a, a, just a short time ago, within a week or so ago. The Jerusalem Post reported an article titled Defense Establishment is Having a Double Take on the Abraham Accords Impact on the Palestinians. President Trump and many of the other negotiators believed that the Abraham Accords would force, by signing many by um, the normalization agreements with many of these Arab nations, that it would bring the Palestinians to the table. It has not done that yet. And so, after nearly two years have passed since the first accords, uh, this deal with the United Arab Emirates... There has been little to no progress with the Palestinians. Top officials in the defense intelligence um, establishments are starting to question how much of a positive effect the Abraham Accords will have on the Palestinian issue. Remember the five characteristics of the peace agreement, the biblical characteristics. They have not dealt with the Palestinian-Israeli issue. For many years, before the accords were signed, some of the officials were calling for a regional approach. This is what President Trump came um, and brought to the table. When he he became elected president, he started out for a regional approach rather than to just drag the Israelis and the Palestinians to a negotiating table. He said, that doesn't work. So I'm going to try to get many of the Arab nations on board and they'll bring the Palestinian brethren with them. Well, this hadn't worked yet. The idea was that Egypt, Saudi Arabia, other major Sunni countries would gang up on the Palestinians, get them to sign on the dotted line to end the Israeli Palestinian conflict, and cease being a destabilized force in the region. But despite Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas's initial anger at the accords, there was also significant positivity initially. And it was thought that in time the accords would move the Palestinians. Toward a more flexible approach to resolving the conflict with Israel. However, again, after nearly two years, since the first accord deal was signed with the United Arab Emirates, there has been little or no progress with the Palestinians. Now, the Times of Israel has reported, you say, well, is there any, is there any movement on that? Well, it appears there may be. The Times of Israel reported that uh, Yair Lapid, part of Israel's government right now, that Israel is working with the United States and Gulf states on a normalization with Saudi Arabia. Because Saudi Arabia is one of the major, if not the major Arab player in the Middle East, and they believe if they could get Saudi Arabia on board, Saudi Arabia could almost dictate to the Palestinians what to do. So Israel is coordinating with the United States and Gulf nations on a process to normalize its ties with Saudi Arabia. Yair Lapid said this uh, just recently. He said, we believe that it is possible to have a normalization process with Saudi Arabia. He told that to Army Radio. He said, we've already said that this is the next step after the Abraham Accords to talk about a long and careful process. He didn't say it would happen tomorrow, but they're working on steps to move in that direction. And, of course, he was referring to the normalization deals Uh, with that Israel reached the Abraham Accords with United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, Sudan, and I think there was one more. So we're working with, he says that we're working with the U.S. and the Gulf states on this. Israel and Saudi Arabia do not have official diplomatic relations, but they do have covert ties under the radar, out of the news, and that they've been warming in recent years. Now, Obviously, the the powerful Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, he he sees Israel as a strategic partner in the fight against the Iranian influence in the region because Iran has actually bombed Saudi Arabia as of late as well. And recently, a pair of senior U.S. officials were reportedly in Saudi Arabia for covert talks on an agreement that would boost Washington's ties with Riyadh or Saudi Arabia, while also bringing the kingdom closer to normalizing relations with Israel. If you remember the story, um, there was a story according to Axios that there was a, the trip uh, to these with these um, Washington officials to Saudi Arabia was part of the efforts to finalize agreements on the transfer of the Red Sea islands of Tehran and Sinifar from Egypt to Saudi Arabia. The islands featured uh, prominently in a 79-Israeli-Egyptian peace agreement and they're transferred to Saudi under the, and, and the Saudi control, which requires a degree of Israel support. So they're working on this massive deal together and as a result, the United States and Israel are reportedly pushing Saudi Arabia to take a series of small steps toward full normalization with Jerusalem. So the peace agreement is moving in the direction the Bible says it's going to. But they're taking different steps to try to get the Palestinians to come on board and sign on the dotted line. So things are happening, folks. Now, next question. The writer says, "My question is regarding the Fukushima meltdown. If, Cher- if the Chernobyl nuclear uh, catastrophe is tied to Wormwood, which would be the third trumpet in the Book of Revelation, why wouldn't the Fukushima meltdown tie into any of the prophecies?" Well, because I can only give you a scriptural answer. It's got to align up with the Bible. Revelation eight ten through eleven. Says, And the third angel sounded, and there was a great star that fell from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers, upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and, and many men died because of the waters. Well, the word Chernobyl means Wormwood. And Revelation eight ten through eleven from the Ukrainian Bible translates into the in the following way. A star by the name of Chernobyl was cast into the earth. And you know, after teaching this for many years, my late father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, he actually had Ukrainian people come up to him and show him this passage from their Bibles, pointing out the word Chernobyl and the events of the Chernobyl accident. back in, what was it, April 26th of 1986, they fit perfectly with the prophecy in Revelation chapter 8. But with all the knowledge that we have about Bible prophecy, it's my understanding that there is nothing about the Fukushima nuclear accident prophesied in Scripture. So we've got to look through the news events and see how they line up with the prophecies of the Bible. And that's how we determine how, hey, this event was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. It lines up perfectly, the timing and everything, with this Bible prophecy. And this is part of the seven trumpets in the book of Revelation. And that's how we know that the Chernobyl nuclear accident is in Scripture. That's the third trumpet. But the Fukushima nuclear accident, to my knowledge, is not mentioned in the prophecies of the Bible. Okay, everybody, well... When we get back from this break, we will dive right back into the questions. I've got so many of them to go through today, and so we're going to move along quickly when we get back.
1: Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty?
0: Wow, a lot of great, educated, very educated questions. People really want to know what's going on in these end times and how the current events are showing, how prophecies are coming to pass right now. And so we're going to continue on with our Q&A segment here because I thought it would be very educational for a lot of people. Sometimes you don't even know what question to ask, right? So let me see how many questions we can get done in this segment. The next question the writer said, Has the third temple started being built? There was an Israeli, or I should say, Israel365news.com article that said it started on Israel's Independence Day, and the article came out, I think it was um, on May 6th. Well, I am familiar with the article. However, I wanted to make sure that it was legitimate because I saw the article, I saw the pictures, and I thought, yeah, I don't know. I don't, they're not start, if they were to start to build Israel's third temple right now, we would be in World War III tomorrow morning, right? You talk about an uprising on the Temple Mount. So I wanted to make sure that it was, this article was legit before reporting it on the air. So I contacted a very, very reliable source, somebody that I've worked with for years in Israel, who is of the religious sect, and very much in the know on these topics, and consults with the rabbis and the Temple Institute on a regular basis. And this is his reply, and I'm going to quote exactly what he sent me. He said, I am familiar with several of the names in the article that said they had started rebuilding the third temple. They show a picture of some guys chiseling on rocks and different things. He said, but I do not know them personally. However, he says, he did some inquiring and he said, this is a group of people that are Orthodox Jews with the goal of informing and creating connections between Christians and Jews. He said, although there is nothing that prohibits them from doing what they're doing, however, according to Jewish law, it's not confirmed that it would be allowed on the Temple Mount. He said, simply because they, uh, there must be a unity of Jews that come together to form a a unit comprised of the various sects in Judaism that would condone what they're doing. And this is basically a few rabbis who have chosen to do this. And he says, in his opinion, it's designed to bring attention to their causes, whatever they may be. He said, I spoke to a friend of mine who agreed with us that there are many things that are still unknown regarding actually allowing the temple to be rebuilt. And right now, the next step would be for more than half of the Jews worldwide to be living in Israel and many other things. And so this guy's in the know on on all of this. And So I wanted to make sure that before I talked about that article on the air that I got some information that I could share that was very reliable. And so it appears that the Israel 365 article, that the gentlemen were saying, hey, we're chiseling on stones and this will be part of the Third Temple However, it appears that they were just doing that to draw attention to their causes and that it would not be sanctioned by some of the leading institutions that are trying to, that are pushing for the uh, building of the Third Temple. So, time will tell. But at this point, I don't believe that those stones would be used on the Third Temple, from all that I can tell from my resources in Jerusalem. Next question. Uh, this would be kind of a comment type question. The writer says, Brother Robbins, love your show and pray for the continued success of your ministry, but <laughs> I disagree with you guys on one point. You recently said that you did not think the U.S. would accept the mark of the beast. What I said was I don't believe it will come, become the law of the land here. There may be some people that want to take it, but I don't want to be would become the law of the land for everybody. But the the, the writer goes on and says, however, uh, Joe Biden recently com, uh, commanded the Fed to come up with a government-backed Bitcoin. Well, actually, it's a central bank digital currency. It's not going to be. It's not going to have anything to do with Bitcoin. They want to oversee the cryptocurrencies, and for the Federal Reserve to uh, give, uh, get to create their own central bank central bank digital currency. The writer goes on to say, once they implement a government digital currency, this is surely a mark of the beast. We who refuse to participate in the digital currency and the digital identity verification that comes with it will not be able to participate in the economy. Okay. So I do understand and appreciate that, your perspective. It certainly is a precursor to the mark of the beast system. The central bank digital currency does seem dangerously close to that. However, it is not the mark of the beast. In Revelation 13, verse 16 through 17, the Bible says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And because of this, there are... Two things scripturally that you should never ever do. Everybody listening to me. Number one, never take a mark of identification on your person. Number two, never pledge allegiance to the Antichrist or his global governing system. The CBDC, even though it is a precursor to that system, in my opinion, it does not require either of those at this point. So what I've decided that I would do is to use their system until they begin to abuse it and want to put a mark of identification on my person or try to use it to coerce me to pledge allegiance to the Antichrist of the world governing system. At that time, I got to opt out. Now, I'm not saying that I want to use the CBDCs at all. Uh, you know, perhaps we can use Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency or something, or maybe, you know, still dollar bills. I don't know how all this is going to play out. But I know scripturally there were two things I will never do. And that's that mark of identification on my person and a pledge allegiance to the Antichrist or his world governing system. Scripturally, that would be, you would bring damnation upon yourself and you can't do that. But taking another number, I've got numbers now that I function in society. I've got a social security number and different numbers that I use to function in society. If this is just another number... You know, but if they use it to start economically sanctioning me or to implement some kind of a a social credit score where they would try to coerce me to pledge allegiance to this stuff, then no, I can't do that. So you got to understand Scripture and make sure what we're talking about here. But I don't believe, because we're not mentioned in Revelation 13, the world-governing beast, and that we will stand with Israel against the world-governing beast in the end time, I do not believe that it will fully become the law of the land here in the United States. For instance, there are, I think, eight or nine states with laws restricting an employer from mandating an employee from implanting a chip in their body in the United States. So should it come to that, I do not believe it would become the law of the land. I think there would be many states that would fight against that and... The government, the the governors of the states and the different states have a lot of power to resist these things, and so you've seen that in different ways. Um, the way like a Ron DeSantis has has kept a lot of things that President Biden has wanted to do. He has, in in a sense, protected Florida from that, and so that's something that we'll have to watch for in the near future. That's why it's right to, you know, be in prayer and and. Seek God's face, but also make sure you vote in the right officials, right? So these, along with other prophecies concerning the future of the United States, are why I would make this statement, okay? Now, um, next question. Dave, uh, I recently heard you say that we would never be part of the end-time world religious system, or that we should never be part of the end-time world religious system. How do I know if I am or not? What am I looking for? What if if my uh, church board has signed on to a world religious system? How do I know? Well, number one, uh, according to Scripture, God's coming back to judge the false religious system in the end time. You do not want to be a part of that. Never be part of a religious system that condones doctrines that are contrary to the Bible. This is numero uno. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. Not one of the ways. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No man comes through the Father but by me. Now, if you can move off of that Then you've compromised, you've moved off to one of the central belief systems in the Bible that if you're a Christian, you're looking to Jesus for your plan of salvation. But more and more people are claiming that there are many ways to make it to heaven or many ways to God. However, that is diametrically opposed to Scripture. So if you're part of an organization that starts to say, well, I mean, you know, the Bible does say there's only one God, but we're going to be part of an organization that believe, that says people that believe in thousands of gods can, be, can make it to heaven, then you, there's a point where you're going to have to probably opt out of that and say, I, I can't participate in this. So consider the interfaith efforts in the world. Back on uh, February 4 of 2019, this would be a good example. The Grand Imam Al-Azhar Ahmed Al-Ta'ib, considered to be the most important imam in Sunni Islam, and Pope Francis, who claims to be the head of the quote-unquote Christian world, arrived in Abu Dhabi hand-in-hand in a simple symbol of interfaith brotherhood. Pope Francis and the Grand Imam signed a historic document, the Document on Human Fraternity, for world peace and living together. Now, in the document it actually states, it is a document that invites all persons who have faith in God and faith in human fraternity to unite, work together, so that it may serve as a guide for future generations to advance a cultural and mutual respect in the awareness of the great divine grace that makes all human beings brothers and sisters. Okay, that sounds great, doesn't it? But what if these meetings would ask you to move off of basic, biblical, doctrinal, foundational principles? Would you be willing to do that? The answer should be, no, I will not. The meeting and the document will be viewed by many as two religious leaders uniting their followers in a call for peace. However, For those who understand Bible prophecy and biblical foundational principles, it's much more than that, right? And I want you to consider two statements that are in the document. Number one, the pluralism of and the diversity of religions are willed by God in His wisdom. The pluralism and the diversity of religions willed by God. Now, hold on a second. The Bible says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So, there's one way to heaven, right? That's scriptural. But yet, they're saying a pluralism. And the diversity of religions is willed by God. I don't see that in the Bible. I see God in the Old Testament when Israel went off into idolatry and started worshiping other gods, that God would punish them and exile them. So, according to scripture, there's one way to heaven. And Christians hopefully believe that. At least you should. And so we'll talk about this more when we come back from the break because there's a huge move on the earth today to move all religions under one umbrella.
3: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry
0: So if you're wanting to know how not to be caught up in this world religious interfaith movement in the end time, you've got to know what's in these documents. And you've got to know the Bible. Because if these documents don't align up with the Bible, I don't want anything to do with them. So the document, number one, it said the pluralism and diversity of religions is willed by God. That's not scriptural. Number two, therefore the fact that people are forced to adhere to a certain religion or culture must be rejected. Well, that's not scriptural. Again, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So for me to teach my children, there's only one way to heaven. This document says, no, no, you should reject that teaching. Okay? So, you got to know what's in these documents. I mean, and on the surface, hey, it sounds nice. But there's an enormous problem with these statements the coexistence or tolerance of more than one religion or doctrine diametrically opposed to the Bible. So, can't do that. I mean, Christians, think of it like this. Christians believe that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh and that He died on the cross to purchase our salvation. Muslims deny that Jesus was God or that He died on the cross. I mean, this is the central belief system to any Christian. Jesus Christ died for me to purchase this wonderful plan of salvation. Shed His blood, and His blood is covering my sin. I'm forgiven because of the act of Calvary. Jesus said a man must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Muslims don't believe in being born again at all. So, to devise a way to unite them would mean major compromises with the teachings of the Bible, right? How do you do that? Again, Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He said, and again, He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the, I mean, how how can you step over that scripture and say, I know it says that, but the Parliament of World's Religions will have hundreds and hundreds of different religions represented there. And they will be telling them, in a sense, we're all going to make it. We all worship the same God, but we call Him different names. Right? That's the belief system. Well, Paul taught there is only one God, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. That's Ephesians 4, 5-6. Paul also told the church in Galatia, But though we or an an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So, the one true gospel, that's pretty important, isn't it? I don't want to be accursed. So, myself, as a man of God, I have to preach the absolute truth. Um, Sunday morning at this conference in Kingsport, Tennessee, I'm going to. Guess what I'm going to be teaching? The everlasting gospel. And I'm going to be teaching the same gospel that Jesus taught and the apostles taught. Now, God only approves one belief system, and that is recorded in the Bible. He is never, nor will he ever, condone the tolerance or coexistence of more than one religion. So you see, well, yeah, but Dave, how do I know? How what what how, how do I know how to decipher between all this? Take heed, everybody. Know your Bible. That's the number one thing. Bible prophecy foretells. Just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the establishment of both a world government and a world religion will exist. The, the leader of the world religion will be the false prophet. And he's going to use a deceptive message to unite all religions and then urge those entities to comply with, its, with the many directives of the world government. And, that, and this is happening now. Jesus warned us that this would be the case. I mean, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. That's in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, verses 4 and 5. So, what's the best way to avoid being deceived and participating in such a corrupt endeavor? Know the truth. John 8, 32, the Bible says, And you shall know the truth and the truth. Not the truth's, John John 8.32 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 5.39, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Search the Scriptures, know your Bible. Folks, the Bible is the only book on the planet that can truly reveal how many gods there are, one, Share the story of the one God's redemptive plan for the human race. Show you how to be saved. Teach you how to to live as a Christian once you're saved. Preparing you for eternity. Telling you which church is true and which is false. Provide prophecies written thousands of years ago, which are coming to pass right now. The Bible is the only book that can do that. So in the end time, a working knowledge of the Bible is of utmost importance. Why? It is biblical illiteracy that would allow someone to believe the false prophets' deceptive messages and pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and his world governing system. Now, uh, of course, a great way to increase your Bible knowledge very quickly is to enroll in the online, our online Jerusalem Prophecy College. It is super easy, and it will get you from point A to point B very quickly. It'll bring you up to speed on your biblical knowledge very quickly. All you got to do, go to www.jerusalemprophecycollege.com, register, and enroll in the first course. I mean, why wait? I mean, I'd get started today, because a, a lot of people that come through our Bible studies here and around the world we're finding, and I'm saddened by this, but we're finding that there's a lot of biblical illiteracy. People just have a surface knowledge of the Word of God. And I mean going into the most critical time in history, the history of the church, and that's just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is when your Bible knowledge should just be, you should be full of the knowledge of the Bible. So... That's the best way that I can answer your question. Know the Bible and make sure you don't get caught up into an end-time world religious system that would ask you to do things that are not scripturally sound. Okay, next question. At the time of the rapture, those in Christ, those born-again individuals caught up in the air are changed from, uh, changed incorruptible and are given immortal and glorified bodies. Who are the mortals that live during the 1,000-year millennial reign or, the, or the, kingdom, the, the kingdom of God here on the earth? Well, in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel gives a, uh, the, a, um, a vision that he was given of four beasts. Lion with eagle's wings, a bear, four-headed leopard, and a ten-horned beast. And he said that these beasts symbolize nations that will be on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Very prominent nations. Great Britain, the United States, Russia, Germany, and the current European Union. Well, in Daniel 7, verse 9 through 12, the Bible says, um, Daniel says in verse 9, starting with verse 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit. So it's, this is going to be at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ when the kingdoms of this world will be done away with and the Lord will establish His kingdom here on the earth. Revelation chapter 11 at the seventh trumpet. It says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. It's talking about the same thing in Daniel 7 verse 9. Daniel said, I be told these nations were in power... At the time when I, when I beheld their thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit. Jesus Christ comes back. Whose garment was white as snow, his hair was, uh, of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame and his, his wheels as a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. It's right here at the very end. And I beheld them, because of the voice, the great words which were spoken, I beheld even till the beast was slain, his body was destroyed and given to the burning flame. That happens at the Battle of Armageddon. Daniel saw that 2,500 years ago, but in Revelation nineteen twenty, at the Battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist and false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. And so... This is what we're talking about here is at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And in verse 12, Daniel says, as concerning the rest of the beast. What were the beast in Daniel 7? They were nations, right? And the ruler of those nations. So Daniel said, when I beheld till the nations were um, done away with, and the Ancient of Days did sit, he said, concerning the rest of the beasts.'" The rest of these nations, they had their dominion taken away. Their governments are done away with. Human government. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time beyond the second coming in the Battle of Armageddon. The 1,000-year millennial reign. Those individuals were allowed to live into the 1,000-year millennial reign. You say, well, hey, um, uh, I don't have to worry about the second coming in the Battle of Armageddon. I'm going to, I'll just get to live into the millennial reign. So that's a question. Who is allowed to live into the millennial reign? Is everybody on the earth allowed to live into the millennial reign or is there a select group of individuals? If you remember the account in the Old Testament when the Israelites came through the wilderness, but because of their unbelief, murmuring, and complaining, only those 19 years old and down were allowed to go into the promised land. So is there an age of accountability of those that would be allowed to live into the 1,000-year millennial reign? I do not have the answer for that. I don't know if everybody on the earth gets to that has not been born again because the Bible says the born-again individuals, at the time of the rapture, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. However, there, and we will live and reign uh, as kings and priests with him for the 1,000-year millennial reign. But the mortals that live into the millennial reign... There will be people on the earth that do, as mortals. But who specifically gets to live into that, I don't know for sure. There will be people that do. The Bible tells us that in Daniel 7. But is there, a, is there an age of accountability? I don't know the answer to that. The Bible doesn't give us a clear, uh, conclusive answer. I've had people tell me, well, hey, I don't have to worry about getting ready on this side. I'll just wait till the other side and get ready. I don't, I'm not really worried. I've had people tell me that. I thought, man, I would not do that because something could happen tomorrow morning. None of us are promised tomorrow. There's no way I would wait till, to see if I can get through the Great Tribulation and the Six Trumpet War that's coming and the, the, the Battle of Armageddon, and all these apocalyptic events, and then say, well, I'll get ready on the other side. It, there's no way. You couldn't pay me enough to do that. We're supposed to get ready on this side and make the rapture and let God take care of the rest. That's our goal here. So it's very, very important. And so, you know, right here here at the very end, uh, I know I don't have enough time to get into another question, but I would like to say again, I'd love to see you at the conference in Kingsport, Tennessee this weekend. Sunday message, very, very important, the everlasting gospel, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you'd you'd like to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like they did in the book of Acts, show up to the church on Sunday morning, they're in Kingsport, Tennessee, and I'll be teaching you all about that, everything the Bible has to say, going through the everlasting gospel. God bless each and every one of you, and see you next time.